Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Aframeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Aframeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and with me to discuss the upcoming Aframeo Championship season and look back at last year is Championship Coordinator Andy Robinson. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Guy. Nice to speak to you. And you. So uh, this is our kind of regular now catch up on what happened last season and obviously we had your feature in the magazine in the February issue looking back at, at last season yeah um, but I know we have quite a few listeners to the podcast who, who don't necessarily read the magazine so before we start talking about some of the exciting things that are going to be happening this season I yeah. thought it was probably worth just a I look back on last season because it it had some interesting ups and downs, didn't it? It did, yes, yes, yeah. The main thing is we, for the first time in about four years, we had a reduction in grid numbers, and that was right. A unexpected, B uh, not the direction we need to be going in. So that was we had a very northern biased. Most of our drivers are based south of Watford, or at least that, you know that thing. Traveling up to the likes of Croft and Anglesey is a long trek. It's no excuse, really. I mean, and, you know, but it, it, it is a fact. It was a factor, undoubtedly. Yeah. And they're, they're both lovely circuits, but... Uh, yeah, they are, yes. They're, they're, they're a long way from Guildford. Indeed, or <laughs> or Chichester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was the main worry. I mean, it wasn't just us. The Classic Alpha Challenge had the same problem, nearly as big a reduction in numbers as we had. And I guess some of that is... You know, it's the pool of drivers that the that the championship has, but it also pretty much reflects the population of the UK, doesn't it? So presumably, it's it's as much of a challenge for any organizer to get drivers who are primarily based in the south to go to to yeah. Crofton Anglesey. Yeah, I think that's true. It just seemed more marked for us last season, and obviously, we've been analysing why that was. And we have a calendar this year that we can't make that excuse because it's very good. Yeah. You know, we've been doing a lot of promotion in between classic car show, race retro, full page adverts and all this sport. I'm doing regular newsletters uh, online for people and so on, drivers and supporters. Anyway, we're jumping forward now, aren't we? You were talking about last season. We did have, I mean, we had some amazing races. We, we started off at Silverstone National. And the commentator said it was the best alpha race they'd seen for years. Yes. Yeah. Said it was fantastic. We were eulogizing over it. Um, and then we go to Croft and we have like 12 entries, yeah. which is, you know, it's uh, very frustrating. Racing clubs run on very narrow margins. So the, the numbers are important. One or yeah. two on the grid is the difference between breaking even um, and, and making a loss. And we can't go on making a loss. So we had a decent grid at Brands, of course. And um, not too bad at uh, Alton. Cracking race at uh, Brands. Yes. Ted, yes. Ted, Ted Pearson in the in the Mito would have walked away with it, but for mechanical problems, I think. Yeah, well, he had fuel surge problems, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not to underestimate Scott Austin. Scott's uh, yeah, indeed. top driver from, you know, won championships in the 90s and things. But yes, that, that, was, that was some great racing. And then a, an unfortunate end to the season at, at Croft, because, again... Cracking first race and and everything. I'm oh, sorry, Alton Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah Alton Park and 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 mixed weather, which is I know it's awkward for the drivers, but it does make it interesting for for those spectators brave enough to go out in the in the rain. Well, yeah, yeah, no, it was an excellent race, and hopefully it's a forerunner of the season. You know? But uh, yeah, it was disappointing to lose out because we were last on the meeting and they were running out of time following the 
the accident in the the other race. So, yeah. uh, but they they get a part, a refund of part of that off their next entry fee. Okay, so I suppose it's a little bit of compensation. Yeah, yeah. Unless you were within one race's points of uh, of moving up a place or two, I guess. I suppose, yeah. But uh, I don't think it made a lot of difference to the outcome. But yeah, you never know; it could have done. So this season, we suffered from smaller grids last year. From what I hear, there's a potentially bumper entry for this year. Well, there's 28 registered drivers so far. Yeah. Having said that, we can't be complacent about that because we're an unusual championship in that. From a 750 Motor Club's point of view, if they've got a championship or a series with 28 registered drivers, they would expect to have 22 or 23 at every race. Right. For some reason, last year, we had 38 registered drivers and we averaged 17 on the grid, or just under 17. So it'd be interesting to see if some of that was just geography. Some of it was. Other people say, well, I, I'm just going to do that meeting and that meeting. It's, right. Uh, in other words, they don't treat it as a championship, in effect. Yeah. A series is just a set of individual races, which is what, say, the classic Alpha, for example. Is. Yeah. There's no points. There's no champion. There's just, you know, some individual events where people, you know, finish wherever they finish. But um, so what we need, really need, is other people, more people to treat it as a championship. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping, obviously. And I think we, we talked a couple of years ago, there's a, a some criteria about when something can no longer be considered a a championship and has to be a series. Well, the, the the Motorsport UK used to have a rule that if you average less than sixteen on you know starters, yeah, across the season, you run the risk of getting a, a yellow card, as they call it, a, a warning to re- redress that. And we did actually get one of those. I only found out subsequently because the BRCC didn't tell me at the time, <laughs> but. Um, we obviously knew we needed to to improve that. And if that had happened again, we might have been, well, we would have been in the BRSCC's hands at the time. They might have just said, well, forget it. You just got enough yeah. of cars. That's the end of that. But, well, they could have downgraded it to a series of perhaps four races or something. But we, we did a big driver survey at the time and picked out key priorities for our drivers, one of which was cost. And we race with the 750 Motor Club now as a result, and their race entry fees are way, way less than other clubs. I was talking to an MG racer uh, over the uh, last winter. He said, what, you know, if I come and race in Alpha, what are your entry fees like? I said, well, they're around 400 quid for a weekend. He said, he, was, he said I'd pay double that <laughs> <laughs> for racing his MGB, you know, yeah. so... He didn't actually change to Alpha in the end, but uh, so that that was a key thing for us, and that seemed to work. Uh, you know, we tried to get better organised, be more welcoming, and you know, our grid steadily went up from that point, twenty eighteen up to twenty twenty one. Yeah, just last year it suddenly had a bit of a setback. But. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about some of those twenty eight entries in a minute. Yeah. Calendar. You know, we, we've said the calendar is now predominantly southern so what does the calendar look like for this season well we start at silverstone national again as we did last year on 30th of april so that's just three weeks away now yeah but we go to um cadwell park that is a north you know northern base we have festival italia in august we don't have a snetterton race which is unusual uh we're back at silverstone grand prix circuit at the end of october Possibly sharing a grid there. We're not not sure about right. that um, because of the cost of hiring the, the Grand Prix circuit. But um, we'll see how that goes. Um, we're at Alton Park and we're at Donington Grand Prix circuit. 
in in June. So you know we can't grumble about that. That's 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 a pretty good calendar. It's nicely yeah. spaced. We don't have you know meetings too close together. As if you know if something goes wrong with your car or yeah or whatever you need. If you race the following week, it's uh, very difficult to get it uh, ready in time. So it's nicely spaced and some very good circuits to race on. So. Fingers crossed, uh, that goes goes all right. So yeah, we do have what what has staggered me about the entry this year is the modified class. Right. Uh, we have twelve modified class entries, <laughs> including some really interesting cars. For example, I mean Scott Austin and Andy Page were the main modified runners yep. last year. They're both back, of course. We have uh, Ricardo Lascelles come back to racing after a, a gap of a few years, and he's racing the Mito 404 that uh, we mentioned earlier. Ted Pearson raced at Rams. Although uh, I gather um, they're talking about converting the mechanics of that into a 4C. I don't know if yes. they've done that. I must. I've, there's, there's a feature in the April issue of the magazine that shows some of the, uh, uh, the early build and, and talks about um, about Jamie's plans for for that car. Yeah. It's certainly going to start off as the Mito, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he decides to to build another two liter TBI engine to go uh, into the four C and leave the Mito. Yeah. Or, but I think, yeah, I think he's frustrated a little bit with with how the how the Mito behaves as a race car. Oh, okay, yeah. So I must give him a ring. Actually, I spoke to him a few weeks ago, but I'm going to need to catch up with him. But Ricardo has entered every every race meeting, so right? That's a good sign. Yep. Uh, Barry McMahon's back in his 156 mainly. They've also upgraded his Giulietta with a bigger turbo, and that's putting in some fast times in testing, I gather. So, although I don't know who, who will race it, whether he will or Stacey Dennis had an outing in it last year. Yeah. Paul drove it as well, didn't he? Paul Plant drove it. Yes. So raced it to Alton, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we might see that. Mike Hilton, of course, he's, his car has had a real makeover this winter. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. It looks fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll keep keep that one as a surprise for people who turn up on the <laughs> on the 30th of April, but um, almost worth the ticket price alone, that. Absolutely, yeah. And he, it's not just the livery it's changed. There's been a lot of improvements under the skin yeah. um, to improve the performance he had uh, well, you, Bianco guys, he had a bit of a list there they had to <laughs> yeah. implement. You, so. you, you're going to want to desperately change the performance of the car when you put it on pole the first time out, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know the, I know there were special circumstances with the damp track and the, and the traction control, but it's, it did look a pretty it did, formidable yeah. beast even in the, in the previous state. Yeah, and even though he couldn't get it out of third gear. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why he'd want to fix that one. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Thwaites has bought a, a TCR, Julieta. He races lots of other things, so how often we'll see him, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. He was crossed, we will. And Ian Stapleton is back in his monstrous GTV6, 3.8-litre supercharged thing that looks like something out of Robot Wars, but yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly fast. So. That's the one with a 916 grill on the front of a Alfetta GTV6 is it the one yes yeah yes yeah. it's the most most unusual car yeah but last time we saw it it was in an invitation race at Brands at Festival Italia this is about five years ago I think he tranced a lot yeah every for some really hot Ferraris included and I, the other one I of interest is it probably won't be ready for the first race although he's trying hard that's Richard Ford's Giulia Veloce uh, which is I know it's got the cage in it now and he's um 
he's got various bits he's he's doing to it. So and he's he's a very determined character. I'm, I'm sure we'll see it as soon as he can possibly get it ready. And then we have a GTV 3.2 Marks Gegs. Daniel Woods bought uh, Ron Davidson's old 3.2 liter 164. Keith Waite, of course. Yeah. Um, raced nearly every year since 1983, whatever it was, in his 75. And Gareth Haywood, the supercharged GTV that Roger Evans and then uh, Graham Seeger used to race and won the championship in 2015 and it crammed it. So, so that would probably be one of the most diverse um, classes of, of almost any form of motorsport in the UK, I would have thought. It's incredible. Isn't it? From, I mean, from 4C to 164 is is. An incredible range. And a 75, yeah, and everything in between. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'd be cock a hoop if they all show up and, you know, we'll yeah. just get some amazing. We know where they'll all show up. They'll all show up at Brands. First of <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I hope they I – know, I know some of them intend to do a lot on most of the rounds. So, yeah, that's that's the sort of head of the field. But then we've got the V6 class, five entries so far, uh, all of which all of whom raced last year. Power Trophy, we have four entries, which is interesting, including an Alpha Sud. And uh, a 33, Tom White, Keith's son, Tom. Emma Carbacki, that's Paul Plant's partner, has entered a Giulietta 1.4 turbo. This is okay. So it's that Paul's development car. car. Yeah. 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 And Simon McPhee has just entered his Fiat Punto Abarth. And we had some cracking races from him and mm. his circulating about six inches apart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With one wheel cocked on yeah, every time they right. went around Druids. Yeah. Yeah. Twin Spark Cup, we've got seven entries, all of whom are returning drivers apart from one, which is my son, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's having a go in a one five six. He's telling everybody he's going to be last. So, <laughs> so he's very green. But that, that's a good good place to start. Yeah. With but, telling everybody you're going to be last. Yes, well, it is. I, I was told my very first race, the grand old age of 59, that I was going to come last. <laughs> And I did, <laughs> but uh, you start to you start to learn as you go, and you know. So I'm hoping he'll do well. Um, we could do more with more Twin Spark Cup entries, certainly. So I was just going to say when when we talked, I think it was last year, um, when we were talking about the about Paul's development, Julietta, and the the plans for a 1.4 multi air class to kind of transition from Twin Spark. Yeah, it, it it looks as though the the twin spark numbers are are on the decline because the cars aren't there anymore, and uh, yeah, well, all the all the reasons that we thought they might. Well, the car there are still cars available, but yes, the the attraction seems to have dimmed somehow. Yeah, but that does emphasize the importance of moving forward on new developments. Like, so I hope we will see. I mean, Emma's a former champion. Yeah, she's uh, she's a great driver. So uh, it'd be good to see. Good to see that car on track. But I think the last time I spoke to Paul, he had five or six people who'd expressed an interest in you know, a, a car of that kind of build. Yes, he has. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit disappointing that there's only one at, at this stage. Yeah, it's just a Ford have one. There, so um, fingers crossed that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one person we haven't seen anything from yet is Andrew Borg, last year's champion. I'm told he, he may have problems getting a budget together, so I don't know whether we'll see him or not, or at least if we do, perhaps not for the whole season. But, right. So there are other people interested. Got somebody with a Fiat 127. I'm in touch with the Abarth Owners Club as well to say, you know, did you know? <laughs> yeah. They haven't come back to me yet. Um, but my son's got a... My youngest son's got an Abarth, and he knows guys down at the local Fiat dealers who race. 
So why don't they race with us? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. But I'm sure there'll be more registrations coming. A day messenger, for example, we knew would register and registered yesterday. So it's good to see him back. So I've got everything crossed, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, better to get 22 out of 28 than 17 out of 38, I guess. Indeed. Over the course of the year. So Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's critical for us. Can't, I can't emphasize that em- emphasize that enough. Don't want to sound doom and gloom. You know, it's a positive championship. We love yeah. ours. We're committed to Well, and as you said of the of the Silverstone race, I mean it, it, it can be absolutely cracking racing. Yeah. Two two in one often because you get a, a really good twin spark race circulating behind a, a really good modified power trophy V six yeah. race up front. Like we did at Alton. Yeah. 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 A really close battle in the twin sparks. So four of them really close together. So that's how we're set up. We've got other issues to deal with during the season, like tires. Right. We've still got Yokohama sponsorship. But the tire we've been using in the Twin Spark Cup for the last few years is no longer going to be available after this season. In fact, some of their, their championships and series have already had to switch to Toyo or someone else because right. they've been cutting back on their involvement. So we've got to test new tires in, in anticipation of 2024. But that you know, we'll pull all that in as we go along. So we've made some rule changes as well, which we hope. Okay. We eliminated the drop scores rule last year. And I think we certainly lost a couple of drivers because of that. So we have reintroduced it. Any driver of the 12, 12 races can drop any two of their choice. And presumably you, you dropped the drop scores to try and encourage people to do all the all the rounds. Yeah. All the rounds. And the law of unintended consequences said <laughs> it had exactly the opposite effect. Yeah. yeah. yeah but people will say, well, I can't do that round because I've got a important family commitment or I'm visiting my family in New Zealand or somewhere and therefore what's the point in doing the others you know what I mean so it's one of those things that you know comes and goes but hopefully that'll that'll help uh, we've lifted the four-cylinder restriction on the power trophy as well I don't think that'll make much difference actually but um, no I don't I, I don't think Roger will get his um his V8 Julieta down to the power to weight ratio will he well, if he still had it, he wouldn't. Yeah, he has sold it. He has sold it because it's been yeah. been for sale for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it was, but he, he sold it uh, a few months ago. We haven't heard from the guy who bought it. He was trying to persuade him to race it. And there were some indications that he might, but we haven't seen right. the fruits of that yet. So just just picking up on the Julia, because that's I guess that's a car that's a, a bit of a turning point, isn't it? Up until now given that they were relatively high retail price yeah. um, and, and relatively new, there wasn't going to be a, a large stock of, of cars suitable for racing. But that chassis has always looked like it's got huge potential. Yeah. So it, any other murmurings of, of Julia entries, or is it just the one at this stage? The, well, the other one that's on the horizon is, is Barry McMahon's preparing a Julia Quadrifolia. Okay. I'm told that they're aiming for about 750 horsepower for that. So he, <laughs> he may take it elsewhere rather than... I was, was going to say, is that, was that a brick car project that might yeah. end up in the Alpha Championship rather than the other way around? Possibly, yes. That's uh, how it's how it's looking. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic development. Uh, 750 horsepower is enough, isn't it? You would think so, yes. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, I don't know of any others at the moment, but I know Richard Ford's well on with his build. So he had a bit of a delay getting the roll cage in, but that's now done, and uh, he's got lots of other bits to 
to fit to it. So that will be interesting to see whether it's I hope it's the thin end of a very big wedge, but what yeah. I see, as I say, price plays a, a part in that. So yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm always optimistic. Yeah, well, as I say, I think the one the one thing we know is we'll we'll have good racing when we've had good racing with relatively small grids. Yeah. So let's let's hope we get some bigger grids and. Yeah, I mean, last year we, like you say, Brands was superb. Yeah. Right that right through the field. Alton was brilliant. Cadwell's always a challenge. Yes. <laughs> Cab was the only circuit we've had to permanently remove from the virtual racing series because <laughs> is it really? I didn't know that. <laughs> it was just carnage. Yes, I can imagine. There's no no sand or gravel anywhere. No, it's no, just... and the, the run the run down the hill to oh, it's just terrifying. Well, yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I know to my cost because I went off at the at the whatever it's called, the Devil's Elbow. Yeah, and hit the barrier head on. Full made a right mess of myself and the car at the time. It's very, you know, if you win there, you've done well. Yeah. I think I went a couple of years ago to do an arc around and there was a, a Fiesta Junior race that started off with five cars, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Two of them hit each other on the grid. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> then I think there were two running at the end, but they were half a lap apart. And I thought that's probably about as safe as, as Cadwell gets. Two cars, <laughs> yes. half a lap apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, fantastic as a spectator. Oh, it is. I mean, it's it's a great circuit up and down. I mean, you know, it's so narrow. That's this because yeah. it's built for bikes, really. But I know when I was racing, you, you know, I, if I was lapping somebody and they were in the middle of the circuit, say going up the back straight, you just have to shut your well, not shut your eyes, but just <laughs> yes. your teeth and go for the gap and hope it works out. <laughs> There's not much space anyway. Yeah. So good calendar. We have had, we've had terrific racing, so we just it's my only concern. It's like it's like a business plan, isn't it? The first priority for any organization is to survive. Yeah, a bit like Maslow's hierarchy as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> down at the bottom row. Although I think I think by definition anybody involved in motorsport is self-actualizing, aren't they? They're right at the, right at the, <laughs> top, right at the top. top. They've covered everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mine's right at the bottom. You know. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's that's the difference between running the series and driving in it. Indeed, opposite yes. ends of the pyramid. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You talked earlier about some of the efforts you've made over the winter to promote the championship and a couple of the events you've attended. Tell me a bit more about that. We had a great event at Race Retro. Loads of yep. interest. Uh, at least one car was sold as a result, and lots of people interested in the championship. Same at the Classic Car Show. So and we just hope those things trickle through to people's consciousness and they actually think, ah, oh, why don't I race an Alpha? You know, yeah. some other inferior car. You know. <laughs> and I guess the other thing we talked about um, probably the first time we did a, a podcast together was the the move from the BRSCC to um, to the 750 Motor Club, and and you've already said today that was driven partly by the race entry fees, and I know it wasn't only that. No, it wasn't. But a couple of years in, how's that relationship going? Well, I, I'm very happy with it. I mean, they, they run a tight ship. They're, they don't carry loads of overheads like some other uh, racing clubs do, and that filters through to the drivers. Uh, we get on really well with the team. Uh, they've been very patient with us over last year, where the numbers weren't good at one of you know some of the meetings. No, they're great people to to work with, and and supportive of us beyond what I would have expected even. So, was, were you on their stand at Race Retro? Because I know you were at the NEC, or was that an independent? No, we were on their stand. Yeah. So you know they've been very positive. Previously, if we were at the Autosport Show or wherever, we'd have to pay yeah. the RSCC to be on their stand. We don't have 
enough to pay to be on the 750 Motor Club. We also did the um, Motorsport Days live event. Uh, it looks like we have one new driver at least from that. So that's... So for, for people who haven't been to that event, which includes myself, although I've nearly got there a couple of times, tell us a little bit more about that event because it's an interesting approach to recruiting new drivers, isn't it? It is, yeah. Basically, again, via the 750 Motor Club because that gets us uh, a financial saving. We do have, to, do have to pay for that. But you get half a garage and you do each day, you get five track sessions over the two days. Uh, you can have, we had two cars there. We had a V6 and a Prince Park. And they were coming and going all day with different people. You can either go as a passenger to experience, or you can, or you can drive the car, say passenger seats in, with some tuition or help from someone, you know, an existing driver. Yeah. So Graham Seeger was doing that uh, along with Stacey Dennis, helping people, you know, who hadn't really raced a race car before. You just have to plug away at all these things mm. because it all raises the profile. So if if we have some potential drivers out there who are starting to put some ideas together, when's Motorsport Live this year? Back back end of the season, isn't it? Typically? Yeah, yeah, it is November time. Usually. Yeah, yeah. So what what would they have to do when they turn up for that? Do they have to bring helmets and overalls and? Do they have to have a an odds no, no. test? No, you don't. You, all you need is a helmet, basically. And right. You have to attend a driver's briefing, sign on, and get a you know get safety briefings and all the rest. How how to act on the track? So on. Uh, you don't need a race suit or any of the other stuff, and you don't need an odds test. No. So it's a decent crash helmet. It's pretty much it. But you know you get all that information in advance anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just thinking about people who might not even ask for the information because they assume that there's a yeah, you know, no, no, there's, a, there's a high point of entry. Yeah, no, not at all. It's slightly different if you're going out to drive it or if you're going as a passenger. Yeah, yeah. But you you still have to attend the same briefings. It's that's you know that's all that's mandatory and have a decent helmet basically. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to give people a reminder once the details of this year are known. Yeah. We'll stick it in our e newsletter. It's a good way to get a toe in the water. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, if somebody wants to test a car, they can contact Revs Italia. I have a couple of V sixes available. Bianco always have you know cars ready for people to test. Just ring them up and ask. And, yeah, uh, it'll it, it will cost a bit, I guess, but uh, which Motorsport Days doesn't. But you know. If you're keen, there's if, you, well, if, you're, if you're keen, it's going to cost you anyway, isn't it? At some point, yeah, yes, so of course, yeah, yeah, it's not actually probably, you know. no, but it isn't ex- as expensive as I keep repeating to people. People think it's like you know you've got to have hundred grand or something. It, it's nothing like that. Brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure as always, Andy, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at, uh, at Silverstone on the thirtieth. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, we'll be doing a preview. Uh, on the website and stuff in the next couple of weeks. Look forward to seeing you there. That's all we have time for this week. A couple of things before we talk about the next episode. Firstly, Rosie Hodson, one of our guests on the last podcast, was due to get married today. Hopefully everything went well, and we wish Rosie and Tom all the best for the future. The other thing is a reminder that next Sunday marks the first major club event of the year at the Imperial War Museum at Duxford in Cambridgeshire. Tickets were still available at time of recording, but it is online ticket sales in advance only. What could be more disappointing than trying to buy them on your phone in the queue to enter the venue, only to discover they're sold out? We'll be back in two weeks' time on Sunday the 23rd of April, with a roundtable looking back at Spring Alpha Day, and my first thoughts on the PHEV Tonale and the facelifted Julia and Stelvio. Episode 79 will be available to download from 1.30pm from Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, the club's website, 
and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.